Without Jerry McEnroe, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game! DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange! They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing and a miss! It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me want to Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. And a celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Heard everywhere. No matter what you're doing on the ESPN app, seen on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Talk, where you can see all the hijinks and tomfoolery that happens in this studio during the program, where you can participate in the live chat. During the program, lots happening on Twitch where the mics are never off. Oh, yeah, when we go to radio breaks, the mics stay on during the commercials on Twitch, so you never know what will be said, the discussions that will be had, the Twitch-only content coming to you. So make sure you are a subscriber. Make sure you get on there, do the Twitch thing at twitch.tv slash Talk. How's your Monday going, kids? You ready to do this thing? You ready for two weeks of... Super Bowl hype, you ready for a Syracuse basketball team that maybe, just maybe, is going to make things interesting down the stretch here. It may have found itself as the ACC season continues to push ahead here as the Orange have won three in a row, as those that doubted that Syracuse would be relevant this time of the year are wrong for now, but the way the ACC has swung up and down this season the way Syracuse has swung up and down this season. Who the heck knows? But for now, they're fun to watch, and maybe they found something. We will discuss all of that, the 10-question blindside here on a Monday, the usual hot takes discussions, including what it's like to lose a million dollars in 40 seconds. Don't bet on sports, kids. That's what Uncle Brent tells you. You don't listen. You just don't listen, right? And you're not going to listen. Super Bowl set... uh, for billions of dollars in bets, more legal wagering on the Super Bowl in history. And uh, watching, I, I have to say this right at the top of the show, and we will discuss this later this week during the We Get It podcast. Watching Paulie Sibilia argue with people on Facebook that the interest in this Super Bowl is minimal is, is A, why nothing gets done around here, because Paulie just gets into Facebook arguments with people, and B, wildly entertaining. Now, is this going to be the highest-rated Super Bowl ever? Probably not, as Mac, as we'll get into during the program, as a matter of fact. Ratings were down for both the AFC and the NFC Championship game. It's The Patriots aren't here. The biggest star in the sport is here. And Patrick Mahomes, clearly, as we'll get into, is the biggest star in the sport and the best player in the sport. But the things that Paulie cares about, like arguing with people on Facebook about who cares? And uh, It's going to be the most watched television show of the year. 
Fox sold out their commercial inventory months ago. Like they're going to be fine. <laughs> just a lot the the things that Paulie cares about, right? So, no matter what your interest level in it, Super Bowl Fifty Four is set. We will discuss that, and you are welcome to join the conversation at four three seven seventy six forty four Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line two eight eight zero six four four. We start with Syracuse basketball. We start with the most important thing from Saturday's game. There's a lot we can discuss. Seth just told you in the update that Buddy Beheim was named the co-ACC Player of the Week, and that is worth a matter of discussion. And a number of things that not only came out of this game, but a trend that we have seen the past few, but none more important than what Jim Beheim talks about here. I think we were we try to drive it, and we got through there a few times, but um, they're so physical and, and uh, hard to get by. Elijah's as good as anybody getting by, and he just he couldn't quite get by them. Um, we wanted to get Marek the ball in some of those situations down there, and uh, Marek was good down there. But, uh, yeah, I mean... It's hard to even believe that number. I have to. I have to this one. Want, you know, this way, you have to watch the tape, I guess, because I, I don't. I don't. I don't see. I didn't see that. <laughs> a smile and a laugh from Jim Beheim when informed at his press conference that his team had outscored another thirty-four to twelve in the paint. That off of a thirty-six point performance in the paint in the game prior. Now, Uncle Brent is wrong a lot. Okay, as Jim Beheim would be the first to remind you. But Uncle Brent can be right sometimes, and Uncle Brent was dead right about this one. So you're going to hear about it for the next few minutes. I spent the better part of Friday's show, when we were discussing Syracuse and Virginia Tech, saying that it was crucial, it was downright imperative that Syracuse had to establish a paint presence in this game to win it. Because you couldn't always rely on your three-point shooting to bail you out. They were vulnerable, Virginia Tech in this case, in the paint because Syracuse was bigger. We saw this in the first game. We saw Virginia Tech work the perimeter, shoot threes, shut Syracuse down for the final eight, nine minutes of that game. A nine-point lead evaporates quickly. A 21-4 blitz by Virginia Tech results in a four-point loss. But a game you walked away from saying, wait a minute, they could have had that. They could have had that one because every game in the ACC so far – for Syracuse, and they are seven in with 13 to go, with the exception of Boston College, have been decided by eight points or less, which is the opposite of what every game in non conference play was, and pretty much everything was decided by 10 points or more, and that was wins and losses. You get into conference play, things tighten up. You lose by one to Notre Dame, you lose by four to Virginia Tech. You're winning close games on the road. An explosion in overtime against Virginia, certainly, but that was a tight game. For a while, these games have been tight. They have been hard fought, and at some point, the Orange had to have a breakthrough inside, and they did. They took advantage of a situation, and it was opposite day on Saturday. It was it was George Costanza all the way. My name is George. I'm unemployed, and I live with my parents. Hi, we're Syracuse basketball, and we win in the paint. What? But you've got to do this from time to time. And they did it. They did it with Buddy Beheim having more confidence, taking the ball inside the three-point line. 
in shooting. Not that he didn't hit threes, he hit five of them in that game. At one point, scoring 18 straight points. The usually mild-mannered, big smile, aw shucks kind of kid. You know, talk to Buddy Beheim. he's the nicest kid in the world. But this Buddy Beheim was a man possessed. This Buddy Beheim is running up the floor saying they can't guard me. And he was right. Well, he's that's what he's been doing. He's he's making some hard ones too. I mean, he we like Elijah to do that, and right now Buddy's doing it even better. Probably, um, he's getting in there. The one he made in the second half was really hard. The guy was right on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's playing uh, tremendous. Uh, basketball for us. Tremendous. His defense is better. For those of you that feel that the only reason he plays these games because of the last name on his jersey, shut up. That's over. That's done. He's proving he belongs out there in this league. You don't outscore teams by yourself for a good portion of a game two games in a row in this league. Because of what your last name is. You do it because you can play. We're seeing the inside game develop. We're seeing his defense get better. This team is doing what Jim Beheim has implored them to do. Jim Beheim is like a... See, kids, back in the day before digital technology, there were these things called records. They're actually making a comeback these days because vintage is cool. But you would place this record on a, on a record player. You would put the needle on the record player, and that would, in fact, play the music of said record. Now, once in a while, what would happen is that would get stuck. We would call it a skip or a record scratch, perhaps, but and it would play the same thing over and over again, okay? You kids in your newfangled digital technology don't experience this unless the Wi-Fi's down. Well, Jim Beheim has said time after time after time, we need to get better. He actually put a time frame on this. I wrote a column about this today on Syracuse.com, as a matter of fact. Hope you can read that. And that is the 15 to 20 games. First, it was 10 to 12. You'll recall after Syracuse beat Colgate way back on November 13th, Jim implored us. He begged us. I'm exaggerating slightly, but he said, and put it out there, look, it's going to take 10 to 12 games to figure out just what we are. We're a young team. We've got, and I'm paraphrasing what he said. It was basically, we're young. Give me time to figure this out. Then after Syracuse went through a stretch in New York, first against Oklahoma State, then against Penn State, where they got manhandled inside, just destroyed. Beheim asked for an extension on that, said maybe 15 to 20 before I know what we're dealing with here. We're in that window. The 20-game deadline is approaching, but we are dead sad in that window. And what you are seeing before your very eyes is a team that's getting better, is a team that's improving, is a team that has found something. It's still a team that's got a long way to go, 13 games in the regular season in the league, and I think they're going to need the ACC tournament in order to, if they're still in the conversation by that point, seal their NCAA tournament fate. That's still the fight that they are in. But something has clearly changed in this team. In the last three games, they are more confident. They are more sure of themselves. They are sharper in where they play and how they do it. It was critical that they 
got those points in the paint that they did the last two games because now it's a bankable thing. They can go to that when needed. There's some teams they're going to run into where that's not going to be as easy. Virginia Tech is not a very strong paint team. Boston College was not a good team inside. But that's the league. You find the weakness and you lean on it. And again, for those of you that have been calling this show and those of you that have been tweeting me or putting it in some form of technology, I have been the first to line up here on this show and tell you that you are welcome to criticize Jim Beheim whenever you want. You just better know what you're talking about. And one of the things that has been foolhardy, one of the things that you have been dead wrong about is, oh, the game is passed Jimmy by. Jimmy don't make any adjustments. Just runs the same place all over again. Did you see the defensive alignment at the end of the Virginia Tech game? Barama Sidibe comes in for Joe Girard. Yep, I just said that. Haven't seen this for a month, but in a split second, in an opportunity to make a substitution, bing, bang, boom, Elijah goes up to the two. Virginia Tech inbounds the ball. After an inbounds play, frankly, right before that, that wasn't too keen for Syracuse. Ali gets the ball, seven seconds to go. He sees something he doesn't expect to see, jacks up a horrible 25-foot three-pointer. Marek Dolzhai gets the rebound, game over. Now tell me again that Beheim runs the same stuff over and over again, doesn't make adjustments, doesn't know the game, and all this stuff that you've just been wrong about. Again, Jim Beheim is not without, he's not Teflon. Okay, he's not without criticism. There are certain things that you can call and criticize him for, and you're open to do it on this show. That's sports. But you better know what you're talking about. And one thing that I have disagreed with you strongly and will continue to is that notion. Matthew Gutierrez wrote a terrific piece on The Athletic today that I would encourage you to read about Syracuse and their close games and why they have come out in a good stretch of time, basically since Ken Palm started tracking this stuff in 2001, on top of those close games more often than not. So I don't know where this is all going to lead. I stand by my boring, got-to-take-it-one-game-at-a-time approach because this team has had wild swings. But clearly something is different. There's a confidence that has been gained. There is improvement being made. There is a bench that's getting longer. You know, Joe Girard struggled against that pressure defense that Virginia Tech put out there. Howard Washington Jr., you look at the box score, it didn't overwhelm you. But there was a calming presence. There was a flow to the offense when he was in. He gave Girard the spell that he needed. There are going to be games where Gerard's going to play 37 minutes and he's going to have to grind through it because he's the point guard and he's running the show. And if he's hitting his shots, then you know what? You got to ride it out because shoot or shoot, right? Like with Buddy against Virginia. Couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. Then couldn't miss. It hasn't really missed since then. And if you look at his last 9, 10 games... ACC Player of the Week, as I mentioned this week, but look at the 10-game trend. He's averaging 21 points a game. There's still a lot of work to be done. They've got two quad one wins in the books. Virginia, by the way, might not stay a quad one win. So they've got to pick up more. They've got to keep winning in the league. They've got to take care of business, and they're going to lose games that they shouldn't because that's just the league this year. That's just the league. 
But what they are doing before our very eyes is they are making it much easier for us to root for them. Because there was a time, go back just a few weeks ago, the day after that Virginia Tech game, they're one and three in the league. What I found myself writing and could just basically put it on my desktop and fill in the blanks was, this is the worst record Jim Beheim has had since fill in the blank because those trends kept coming up, right? They're reversing that trend now. They're a watchable team that has found their identity, and they are getting better. Will that continue? Well, February's hell of a month. When you got Duke and Louisville and Florida State, games that you don't see coming that will be tough. You've got a rematch with Notre Dame Wednesday on the road that's not going to be easy. You've got, there are seven teams in this league right now that are either four and three or three and four. It's just like this wild middle of the pack Royal Rumble going on. But there is more hope today than there was before the weekend that maybe Syracuse can come out of that, remain in the ring, maybe a little longer than we thought. And that's all you can ask for. A team that plays its butt off. That is likable, is gritty, plays hard, has timely scoring, is getting better on defense, and they're easy to root for because that wasn't the case a few weeks ago. It's the case now. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. So plenty of hoops to discuss today. Plenty of Super Bowl to get into as well. We're going to have a lot of time for that over the next couple of weeks, but the afterthoughts of the AFC and NFC Championship weekend, hot takes to get into the blind side, and more. See if I can sneak in a call or two here before we take a break at 437-7644. We'll start with Joe in East Syracuse leading things off on the block, ESPN Radio. Joe. How you doing, Brad? I'm not here to bash. But I believe, I don't think they would win one game in the Big Ten in the conference. Are they, they, are they in, in the, the Big Ten, Joe? No, they're in the ACC. You're just looking for any reason to bash this team. Why even make that hypothetical? They're not in the Big Ten. They're in the ACC. So if that was your point, I'd come up with another one quickly. Okay, I understand that. And then I have another issue. Did you see Mike Hopkins' team last the other night? Bye, Joe. If you want to be miserable, you're going to be miserable. Yes, I saw Mike Hopkins' team the other night. I enjoy watching Mike Hopkins' team. But what's your point? What's your point? If you want to be miserable, you're going to be miserable. And you're going to find a way to do it. They wouldn't win one game in the Big Ten. I tell you what, you put them against John Wooden's teams back in the 70s, wouldn't take one. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. You're so desperate to continue to, to criticize this team. You're giving me hypotheticals, and you're going to Mike Hopkins at Washington. How about you tell me about this team and what they're doing now, like the current members of this team that we talk about on this show? Or you can talk about hypotheticals and other teams because you want to be miserable. Back after this. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Oh, the fun conversations we have on Twitch during breaks. 
I don't know why, but the last 24 hours I've really been obsessed with. Apparently Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt still have feelings for each other. Oh they share each this. other backstage last night at some award show. And Josh is just... Just doesn't believe in love, man. What a terrible person. He just coming in here. Valentine's Day is coming up and you're... Just crapping all over the idea that these two still love each other. Come on. Come on, man. You don't believe in love. Seth Goldberg believes in love, as Huey Lewis in the news uh, once sang about. I do. Let's go on the blind side. It's time for the blind side. It's presented by our friends at Burdick Toyota. You know what uh, you can love from Burdick Toyota? The fuel-efficient Corolla. The sheer power-towing capacity of the Toyota Tundra. Seth loves his RAV4. Oh, yeah, it's great. Loves it. Yes. Whatever car you love, you can find it at Burdick Toyota, Drivers Village, Cicero, BurdickToyota.com, because they have great lease deals. When? Now? Right now. Right now! Right now! Ten question blindside, baby. You may fire when ready, sir. Have you seen this Chandler Parsons thing? Is that an official question? Yeah. I've kind of seen this Chandler Parsons Apparently, thing. he got hit by a drunk driver and, like, has all kinds of stuff. Things in his body. Was he also in a car, or was he... No, I think he was walking. Really? Oh, man. That sucks. I hope he's okay. Torn labrum, uh, traumatic brain injury, and disc herniation. Man. That sounds awful. That's why you don't drink and drive. Oh, so it wasn't... It was a multi-car crash. So it was a a three-star crash. Uh, How about this? (sighs) Two in the afternoon. At two in what the are you afternoon. Doing? What are you doing that drunk at two in the afternoon? Oh man, that stinks. Awful, awful. All the best to him for sure. Is Buddy Beheim, uh, Buddy Beheim yelling, "They can't guard me!" Is the most <laughs> surprising thing to happen in a Syracuse basketball game since? No when? question about it. Look, since when, you, when? when you talk to Buddy Beheim, you've talked to Buddy Beheim. I've talked to Buddy Beheim. The kid's always got a smile on his face. He's kind of got that aw shucks thing going, right? He's just always smiling, always positive. And then for him to run down the floor <laughs> saying, they can't guard me. Like it's an and one mixtape. I was like, that's a man possessed right there. I mean, he scores 18 straight points like it's nothing. I'm going to go with the blanket statement of something John Gillen did. <laughs> uh, so well, that's... That's the characteristic of this team, man. They're feeling it right now. They are feeling it. And it's January 20th, and they got a, a 13 games to go, and it's going to be ups and downs. We all know this. But something has changed in this team in the last few games, particularly in that game. Will this be the least-watched Super Bowl ever? No, Paulie Sibilia. It will not be the least-watched Super Bowl ever. Paulie is convinced. Convinced, convinced that America doesn't care about this. Does he know, like, 17 million people watch Super Bowl one? Does, like nobody does he know that Patrick Mahomes is the biggest name in the sport? That no. the Niners are a legacy team that draws an audience? Stop. It's not going to be the most watched Super Bowl, I can tell you that. But it's not going to be the least watched either. Is Dean Pease the coach of the all-time name team? I mean, he'd kind of have to be, right? I think so. Especially spelled the way it is. Yeah, I think I think we can give him that. I, I, nobody else is popping in my head right now. Other than Greg Popovich, because I just said pop. Said but, pop. Yeah. Uh, how many teams get to the NCAA's out of the ACC? 
five. Duke, Louisville, Florida State. I think Virginia's going to hang in there. They're getting the skids a little bit here, but I think they get in. And then there's that five spot. NC State. Maybe Syracuse. They keep this up. They're there for the taking. It's there for the taking. I think it's four. I think it's five. Uh, Does Hollywood have any original ideas left? I think they're running out. I I thought of this when you were saying that they're making another Matrix movie. I think they're running out, man. But what? But that's our fault, right? Because we keep going to all these Marvel movies and Star Wars movies and remakes and things that we're familiar with and original ideas. Like, I haven't seen this yet, but I heard a lot about this Parasite movie that's supposed to be good. Like, even The Irishman was just retreading old ideas, right? I don't know. I didn't watch it. It's hard to break through with an original idea, but then you see something like Get Out. Josh is telling me here on my notes that Parasite is an exceptional movie. Like, we've got to give space for these original ideas to break through. Why does Hollywood keep remaking all this stuff? Because we go see it. Makes money. And then they... I, I refuse to see Point Break when they remade that. I mean, how dare you? How dare you? Our computer's always watching us. You're just learning this? You know what really freaks me out is when... I was talking about this the other day with my sister. When you don't search for anything, like you say something out loud, and then all of a sudden you look on your phone, on Facebook or whatever, like, I'm going to try this, okay? I'm going to think of something I know I have not searched for. Okay, let's let's think about this for a second. Um, avocado. 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 I'm going to look at my phone in 10 minutes. There's going to be an ad for an avocado. Probably. It's freaky, man. But see, everything's watching us. Your phone. If you have a smart TV, Those Alexa that can speakers. watch you. Alexa. Ooh. People are hacking the ring. You know, the ring feature oh, that people have. Are. Of course they are. Big Brother is not only watching. They're, they're with you all the time. Big, Big Brother's brother. taking notes. Big Brother knows the funky things you do Whoa. when supposedly nobody's looking. Whoa. Uh, you said Nico got lucky in the street, street Crunch game, but really tell us what happened. He got lucky. No. We scored a goal you with got, 50 seconds robbed. left. We got robbed. That's exactly Brent. what happened. He did Thank not get you. lucky. We got robbed. We got freaking robbed. And the assistant coach, whose name I'm forgetting, does not want to do that ever again. We got robbed in that game. I'm sorry. We scored a goal with 50 seconds to go that was only waved off because Nico's team complained because they weren't ready. Well, that's a you problem. The puck got dropped. We scored. It was a beautiful goal. A beautiful goal by Matt Thompson. And we just got robbed. So next year, I demand replay. We don't play the Crunch Street game unless there is replay. They're plain and simple. Plain and I'm not bitter. I felt, bad. I felt bad for the uh, assistant coach who was refing for us. He didn't know what he was in for. I felt really he bad. He really didn't know what he was in for. This is You think Seth's making that up? No, I felt bad. After the game, the man literally said, I'm not going to do this anymore. You guys take this way too seriously. Yeah, he said, there's no way I'm doing this. So here this are my again. demands. Here are my demands. One, replay. Two, certified NHL official. Whoa. 
NHL. NHL. They don't I'm even going have those for top. the Crunch Games. It, yes. I'm I'm going up top. Okay. Uh, does Tyler does Tyler Lydon have the second most important block in Syracuse basketball history? <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I think we should ask him that question when he's on the show tomorrow. No question about it, by the way. Number one, Hakeem Warwick. Number two, Tyler Lydon. Uh, last one for you. Are you scared to click on the hashtag dumb things to be arrested for on the trending section of Twitter today? No. Why? Absolutely not. I'm going to go click on that right now after I see my avocado ad. Maybe you'll see it while you're... Avocado. Avocado.